Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you uh, big book study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, December 4th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 75, second full paragraph. Today's readers are Eddie, Paula, Marcia, and Ken. The reference number for Monday, December 3rd, is 3453. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At A Vision for You Big Book Study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will ask Lois to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. Uh, This is Lois, a recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. The 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, were entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people when possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, Having had a spiritual awakening as, a re- as the result of these steps, we tried to carry the message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Lois. I will now ask Margaret to read the 12 traditions. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Margaret, a recovered compulsive overeater in Illinois. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, 
for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is a spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Margaret. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 75. We're at the second full paragraph on that page, and I will ask Eddie, please, to begin reading. Good morning. It's Eddie in Virginia, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. <clears throat> we pocket our pride and go to it illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. Once we have taken this step, withholding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the, eye, the world in the eye. We can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Our fears fall from us. We begin to see the nearness of our Creator. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs, but now we begin to have a spiritual experience. The feeling that the drink problem has disappeared will often, become, will often come strongly. We feel we are on the broad highway, walking hand in hand with the spirit of the universe. Good morning. This is Eddie again. Uh, um, reading this, I realized that um, this is what happened for me. I remember, I should say, this is what happened for me when I, um, when I gave away my, uh, my fourth step 
Um, these are the promises that the fifth step uh, brings us, the perfect peace and ease and the nearness of our creator. Um, and and, um, and I, I remember uh, doing this step with, uh, with a woman that um, I had become very close to and, uh, you know, feeling that um, sense of awe and gratitude when I was finished. Um, I went into it with a great deal of trepidation. I, I'm, I'm certain that most of us do, do it that way, um, thinking that uh, what was she going to think of me um, after she had heard all of these, you know, things that I had done over the years. Um, and as uh, I've heard someone on this meeting say, um, uh, if it has a name, someone else has been there before you. Um, so, you know, that's hard to remember, though, when it's, at least for me, it was hard to remember that when it was, you know, when it was my step, to, uh, fifth, uh, fourth step that I was giving away. But, you know, it was um, it was uh, just as the book promised for me. I, I felt a great deal of, it was like someone had lifted a, a great weight from me. And uh, I felt as though I was given this wonderful opportunity um, to begin again. Um, but not um, not as, you know, a child would begin without um, any previous recollections or, you know, without any previous sins, I guess you would want to call it. But um, with the with the awareness of those things that had gone, that I had, uh, you know, done before in my life had gone before, uh, with the awareness that even though um, those things existed in my past and would always exist in my past, um, I have been given this wonderful opportunity to um, do something better, to make something better uh, of those things that um, those gifts that God had given me that I had sorely abused um, before or neglected to use at all. Um, my faith requires um, a confession of, of sins, and uh, it had been many years since I had taken advantage of that particular gift or sacrament of my faith. And uh, I found that useful also uh, in, in giving away um, or atoning for a lot of these defects that I carried into my adult life. So it was, uh, without, without a doubt, it was a very uh, anxious time for me. It was, I went into it with a great deal of trepidation. But when I emerged from the other side, um, I felt as though I had been given a new life, um, a, a life to, to live and um, just grow and appreciate those gifts that I had and, and share them with others, where I was not the center, but that God was the center and from that radiated everything I would need um, to continue living, really living uh, in this world. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Janice. Is this Patricia, uh, Janice, go ahead. And then was it Patricia? Yes. Uh -huh. Okay, you can go ask Janice. Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. You know, I love, I love the image that this very first sentence starts out with. We pocket our pride. You know, we put our pride into our pocket and we ignore it for the time being. You know, that is the place we start at. You know, we've made a decision. 
we made a decision in step three. You know, this we didn't get here without some former step work. You know, we admitted we were powerless. We saw the unmanageability of our lives. We came to believe that there was a power that could restore our sanity, and we made a decision. Well, now we're going to be taking some action. You know, we may have done our fourth step. I had done my fourth step. I had written down all of those things. And thank God, with the help of recover of other recovered people, I had already begun to let other people into that process. And I don't know about you, but, you know, when I did that work on the fourth step, I had also told some of those things along the way, you know, told some of those things along the way. So when I got to this fifth step process, and now was sitting face-to-face with another human being, some of those things I'd already looked at pretty hard. I'd already faced some of those things, but now I was going to illuminate them. The light, the God, love, the shine was going to be on them. And we were going to sit together, this other person and I, and we were going to illuminate every twist, every twist. We were going to look at it clearly. We were going to let that light shine on it. And I was going to withhold nothing, withholding nothing. Because anything that I withheld that was going to, was still going to bother me, was still going to challenge me, was still going to drive me back to the food. So I wanted to withhold nothing. And then the beginning could happen. We may have had certain spiritual beliefs. You know, some of us came into this 12-step process with certain spiritual beliefs. But now it says we're going to begin to have a spiritual experience because we're doing something. We're taking some action. And with that action begins that spiritual experience. And it's the beginning. It's the beginning, they remind us. But these are some of the things that can happen in the beginning. Right there in the beginning. I felt the nearness of a higher power in a way I hadn't been able to before. You know, my fears began to fall from me. You know, it was the beginning. And it was the beginning of what would become a beautiful and ever deeper spiritual experience. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Patricia, go ahead. Yes. Um. I can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Um. Yes. When I pocketed my pride, for me, that was where I where I got humble because I had a, I have it written here where uh, I admitted to God I got forgiveness. I admitted to myself I got understanding, and then when I admitted to somebody else I got humility, and. And that's what I've come to understand. And, and as I shared and got into the nooks and crannies, you know, it's like I'm sharing all my mistakes. And and when that ha- the humility that I felt and the the fear that I felt that I was going to be judged or that I was going to somehow feel worse than I I was already, um, it didn't happen. It didn't happen, and I was able to get free from all that stuff. And my experience, my spiritual belief, I believed in a God that created the universe and the trees and the stars and all that, but I didn't, I wasn't allowing him to direct me. I, I, 
I was, it was like, it was a strange thing. It was, it just kind of came to me. It was like, now here he's running the whole universe and I don't trust him with myself. It's like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> you know, I just did it. It was like a aha moment. Oh, oh, imagine that. Look what he's doing. And I, and his little old me trying to do it all by myself. So my experience now with God and my spiritual experience is that I can now walk hand in hand with him. And when I do mess up, he doesn't beat me up. You know, my, my you know, the, the um, getting your own, your own higher power, my higher power doesn't beat me up. He, he kind of picks me up, brushes me off, and, you know, he'll tell me, say sorry, you know, like, a, like I'm a little child. And that's what I am. I look at, at this as I am the child, he is the father, and I need to go through life like that because I've been such a serious, addicted person all my life and controlling that I am old now. I'm, I'm, the, I'm the other half of my life. You know, I'm past 50. So it's like I want a peaceful life now. I don't want all that crazy anymore. So he's my my father and I'm the child. And, and it's just a whole different way of life. And I just love it. Thanks for this program. Thanks for letting me share. Thank you, Patricia. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Press star one to unmute. Well, I'll take the opportunity right now, uh, Christy, of course, compulsive, recovered compulsive overeater. And there's an acronym for fear. That There's a number of acronyms for fear, but the one I like uh, that reminds me of this particular paragraph is face everything and recover. Face everything and recover. And um, in this particular paragraph, you know, I, I, as I, you know, I've done a number of fourth steps and I remember the, you know, the recent one I did, at least with my sponsor, where I was brutally honest. I was brutally honest. I left no stone unturned as I had written everything out in my fourth step. You know, I'd written everything down, and now was the opportunity to come clean. Now was the opportunity to bring all of that darkness into the light of day. And, you know, I, you know, it doesn't say here that you're, you know, we're sick, sick to our stomachs, but that's how I felt. You know, that's how I felt. There was a feeling of, um, you know, you know, borderline revulsion and also, um, you know, a sense of calm, if you can feel those things at the same time. I just knew that this is what I needed to do to get better. And I knew that because other people had gone before me. And I knew that because I had been reading the big book, and that's what it says over and over again. You know, this part is necessary. This part is necessary. In order for me to be able to look the world in the eye, I need to start by looking, you know, in my case, my sponsor in the eye and coming clean. And when I... um you know, when I read my fourth step to my sponsor and, you know, I'd gone through, you know, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, afraid, I'd gone through every single one of those, you know, how it had affected my pocketbook, how had it affected my self-esteem. You know, I'd gone through all of that. I'd gone through that entire process as outlined in the big book. 
And when there were parts where I did not, you know, I wasn't sure, you know, I asked my sponsor with, you know, truly from the bottom of my heart, please tell me what you hear as I'm talking. I didn't understand. I didn't fully understand, for example, what it meant to be self-seeking. You know, was I afraid? What did she hear? What was she hearing? And I really, really, truly wanted her to tell me. I wanted her to tell me. And, um, and that was freedom. That was freedom for me, wanting to say all of this stuff, wanting to tell somebody, and wanting feedback. I wanted feedback. And it was truly the first step for me in, in, you know, being able to look the rest of the world in the eye. And uh, I'm just so grateful for this pivotal moment, for this pivotal moment where I was truly asking for help and truly, truly um, illuminating the dark recesses of my mind um, and letting that come out into the light of day and very necessary for my recovery. And with that, I'll pass. Is there anyone else who would like to comment on this paragraph? It's Monica. Monica, go ahead, please. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I was just thinking here, the name of our chapter here is Into Action. And so this is the second action step here of this program of recovery. And like uh, those before me have said, you know, we've done all this writing in our four steps and the listing of the resentments, the people, the causes, the effects, doing the turnarounds, where was I selfish, dishonest, self-seeking and frightened, and uh, doing my fear inventory and doing my sex inventory, you know, all this garbage that I had inside of me that I was not aware of, did not know, all my life I just felt all this ease, unease, um, disease, um, anxiety, uh, just something that wasn't right, and all I knew was to bury it with food. Well, now I'm going to bring all this to the light, you know, and step five, you know, admitted to God, to ourselves and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. And that's what I'm doing here in step five. And I sat there with my sponsor. She lit a candle representing God, the light, the light, and she listened for hours while I did this. What a cleaning, what a relief to get this out. And if you want recovery, this is the second part of the action steps. And it's guaranteed on page 84 that if you do this work, you will get recovery. Those 100 recovered alcoholics who helped write this book are telling us here, this is what you need to do. It's simple. Take action. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Monica. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Good morning. It's Leah. Leah, go ahead. Hey, Christy. Good morning to you. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Once we have taken this step with holding nothing, we are delighted. We can look the world in the eye. Um, you know, I had a gangrene of the spirit, a soul sickness, and uh, I was a prisoner in my own mind. You know, I was haunted by memories and uh, felt shame about certain behaviors uh, I had this tremendous sense of isolation and this anxious apartness. You know, it takes a lot of energy 
to withhold secrets. It takes a lot of energy. And there were, you know, some categories of things that I said, you know, these things never can be shared. And, you know, that becomes such a burden. (laughs) That becomes such a burden and such a mind game to kind of try to manage those uh, hidden behaviors or secrets or history, um, you know, while uh, presenting another image to the rest of the world. It is that double life. You know, so step five, where I had to, you know, sit across the table uh, withholding nothing, um, as others have said, you know, wasn't initially comfortable. But, you know, I've, I've got the heat on my back because, you know, as, as the literature teaches me, I was obliged to either choose between the pain of trying to do this and the certain penalty of failing to do so. That's it. I'm cornered. What other option do I have? You know, either I am going to pocket my pride and lay all of this on the table, <laughs> all of it on the table for the light of day, you know, um, or, or you know, I, I'm going to be back in the jail cell of active compulsive overeating because the grace of God will not enter to expel my destructive obsession until I was willing to take these action steps. That is the reality. You know, and when the pain of this disease got great enough, when the suffering got intense enough, and when the degradation got to such an extent, I was willing to say, you know what, death of ego. Death of ego, because I just can't manage this disease anymore. You know, there's no tricks up my sleeve. I'm, I'm, I'm without tricks. I'm without tricks. So the big book really increased the pressure, you know, the vice. Because we're on page 75 right now. It, we've started, you know, from the beginning of the text, and the big book has made it very, very clear that the obsession of the mind is the greater aspect of my disease. And unless I go through this transformative process with these action steps, um, there is no way left to my own devices that I'm going to be able to conquer the obsession of my own. Of my, of my mind, not not my willpower, not my intellect, not my self-knowledge, not any determination that I can muster up is going to be enough to conquer the obsession of the mind. So what was my choice? You know, I, I had to withhold nothing. Uh, so those damned up emotions of years, um, you know, finally broke out of confinement and, and, and they were you know, exposed, and then they evaporated, you know, and as the pain subsided, this healing tranquility um, took its place. You know, God came in. God came in through my wounds. God came in through my wounds. It wasn't an intellectual experience. It was revealing those things that I, I swore I would never reveal, and and letting the light of day, letting another person in, admitting them to God. And, and you know, at the end of, those, of that time period, I was rid of this tremendous sense of isolation. This anxious apartness had fallen away. And, um, you know, it was the beginning of a true partnership, a partnership with other people and a partnership with God. I had finally left the darkness, you know, making a decision to leave the darkness and come into the warmth of the light. And with that, I pass. Thanks. Thank you, Leah. 
Would anyone else like to share on this particular paragraph before we move on to the next one? Yes, Sharon. This is Anne-Marie. Okay, Sharon, and then I heard Anne-Marie. Go ahead, Sharon. Good morning, Christy, and everyone else on the line. I'm grateful to be here. We pocket our pride and go to it, illuminating every twist of character, every dark cranny of the past. I, As I was... Um, reading this and listening to others, I was reflecting back on when I went through my fourth step and I was wondering if other people might feel the way I did. I also am thinking of other people who got so entangled in their fourth step and never got out. And what I recall is that pocketing my pride, uh, this was a process. The fourth step didn't happen all in one day and then the fifth step. It happened, I had my sponsor with me the entire way. And so I was trusting her and revealing, I was doing this illuminating in some ways, as um, uh, Janice was saying, it was an ongoing process. And then then in one day, I sat down and did the whole thing. But the pocketing of pride, just setting that, uh, setting my self-focus aside and just illuminating. And when we illuminate, we shine the light on. And I I think uh, sometimes with the fourth step, we want to get in there and bathe in it and, you know, rub it all over ourselves and hyper-focus on it. But that's not what we're told. We're told that this isn't uh, a selfish, self-centered type of a thing. We we shine light on so that we can see those things that are hidden to us because it's those things that are fueling our addiction, that are keeping us in insanity. And what was so beautiful to me was I did have my back up against the wall so that I, I would do anything because the pain of of staying in my addiction was so great that my pride, I was willing to let that go. I was willing because I couldn't stand to go on the way I was. So I just did it. I just let my sponsor, whatever my sponsor told me to do, I did it. And I didn't try to be perfect. I tried to just do what she said do. And and I didn't call a bunch of people, what do you think, what do you, you know, and have a lot of conversations. I just did what my sponsor said to. And what I found out was that by trusting her, and it was almost like being a little girl to, to, to her, and trusting her like I had never trusted anyone else before because I was out of options. This was it for me. If this didn't work for me, it was hell or nothing. I mean, this was it. I had no other options. So I pocketed my pride. I let go. I'm just going to do what you tell me to do. And what I found that I received back from that human touch was she shared with me some of herself that, oh, that, you know, it was like the things that I thought were such a big deal. She didn't even face her. The things that I thought that made me the biggest loser, it was, I found out was just part of being human, was just part of growing up in life. So 
when I got out of my own head and I I was allowed to see things from a different point of view, I, I had a different vantage point. And I had so many aha moments. It was a great learning, and and that leveling of the pride was the best thing that ever happened to me because then I was able to accept a new way of thinking, a new way, and to begin a new way of acting on life so that I wasn't always in this frantic frenzy of insanity. And when I took this step, that was the step of freedom for me, and it just opened up a whole world. And it opened up life so that I could be myself and I could learn to be who God had created me to be. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Anne Marie, go ahead. Hi, this is Anne Marie, recovered compulsive eater. Um, I just wanted to, uh, I mean, I could just say ditto to everything she um, just said. and. Um, all else that was said this morning. Um, once again, we have instructions. This this one paragraph, the first couple of sentences, are it's direct instructions, and the rest of it is promises. You know, once we do this, um, these are the promises that we get, and that was pointed out to me. Um, you know, I have read this book over and over so many times, and of course, every time I read it, uh, I learn something else. But um, when I went through the steps at one point, um, not too not too long ago, um, it was pointed out that these these first you know we pocket our pride and and, and we go to it, illuminating every twisting uh, of character. You know, it's directions, and then what we get out of it. Once we do this, then we get this. Um, you know, our fears will fall from us. Um, I too um, had an experience with my very very first fifth step I did was um, with a priest. I'm Catholic and we and we do confession. And so I thought the best thing for me to do would be to go to see a priest. Um, you know, I'm, I'm in Rhode Island, so I drove out of state, <laughs> which isn't too far, but for me at that time was far. I uh, drove out of state into Massachusetts to see a priest that I'd never seen before. And so I, I wouldn't, you know, and I never saw her again. Um, but, uh, that um, I didn't get very much out of that until um, I sat down with my sponsor and we uh, talked. And, um, you know, uh, my fears fell for me because I heard some of the things that I had done that I thought I was going to take to my grave, and I, as I've heard so many other people say, um, she had done. I was amazed that I wasn't the only one. You know, that self-centeredness that I was the worst person in the world um, fell for me. And... Um, and so these prom- these you know there's promises throughout this book, and I'm just grateful that they have come true for me. So I am grateful. There is hope, and um, that's it. Thank you. Thank you, Anne Marie. We are going to move to the next paragraph, which I will now ask Paula to read, please. Thank you. This would be Paula, recovered compulsive overeater. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. We thank God from the bottom of our heart that we know him better. Taking this book down from our shelf, we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything 
for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Is our work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Have we skimped on the cement put into the foundation? Have we tried to make mortar without sand? I'm going to go to the beginning here. As was read, the previous paragraph held eight promises for for us. Eight promises. And here we have two prayers. But the first words here are returning home. Returning home to where I finally belong. It says there on the last word, we can be alone at perfect peace and ease. Home has many, many different meanings, doesn't it? Sometimes it's a physical space, physical place, but this is more. Returning home to God himself. We find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. See, now I can be quiet. There was so much turmoil, restless, irritable, and discontent. No quiet in that. Then it says, in the quiet, we review what we have done. I love this. We thank God from the bottom of our heart. Not the top. We all know about the top stuff. How many times I lived through life on the top. But no, we're going to go to the depths, to the very bottom of my heart. And what am I thanking God for? That I know him better now. I know him better. I want to know him better. I don't run the other way. And then it says we take this book down from our shelf and we turn to the page which contains the 12 steps, carefully reading the first five proposals. We ask if we had admitted anything. For we are building. Just like in the third step, we are building. What are we building? That which was torn down. That that was needed repairs. Oh, in such need. Does it not say that? God, I offer myself to thee to build with me. There you go. And here it says, what are we building? An arch through which we shall walk a free man. And I love these words. At last. At last. I've come to the place where I always wanted to be. And then it says, it ends with, and I like this, it ends with questions. Just to be clear, in case you've missed anything, is your work solid so far? Are the stones properly in place? Always go lost, back to God, ask God. And then it goes on. And the questions are to be answered. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Carefully reading the first five proposals, which are the steps, we ask that we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. What a beautiful way of putting it, that we're building an arch. We're building something very um, that needs to be strong. You know, this past summer, I have a, a wooden deck outside, and I decided to make it a screened-in porch, and I thought it'd be simple. I would just call someone, they'd put up some wood, they'd put up some screens, and it would be done, and I would get to enjoy it. But the process was so much more involved. You know, I got a contractor, we contacted the township, and the township came out, and they said, 
we don't care what kind of structure you're building on top of it. We've got to check out your deck because your deck needs to be able to support the structure. I don't care how pretty the structure is. If the support isn't there, the structure is going to fall down. So I had to have inspections prior to getting the work done. I had to get inspections to say the supports were good. Then I had to get inspections throughout the process because it was so important that that, that structure be strong. And I was a little annoyed. I had to pay some extra money. It took more time. You know, but I didn't take any shortcuts. And in New Jersey, we had Hurricane Sandy. You know, thank God I didn't take any shortcuts because I think my structure would have fallen down. And I still have that wonderful structure that I can enjoy next summer. But that's what we've got to do. We've got to look back. You know, do we fully concede to ourselves that we are powerless? Or did we come in like I did and say, give me the diet, I don't want to be fat anymore. Yeah, 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 I'm powerless. Give me the diet, I don't want to be fat. You know, were we going to step two and saying, yeah, I believe in God. You know, I joke that I used to be a teabag Christian. I mean, I only prayed when I was in hot water. I didn't believe in a power greater than myself. I just, when I got, when I got overwhelmed, I'd say, yeah, yeah, God, take care of it. You know, did I just make that decision? Because I made the decision, I don't want to shop in Lane Bryant anymore. I don't want to have to buy triple X clothing. You know, so we look at these five proposals. Did we do them thoroughly? Because if we keep going, if we're picking up during this process and, and we're not abstinent, it doesn't matter how pretty the structure looks at the end if we fit in the size six jeans. That structure is going to come down if our work isn't solid. So we're going to, at this point, we're going to carefully read those first five steps. We're going to ask ourselves, have we omitted anything? For we are building an arch through which we will walk a free man at last. And just a little thing, this week, last week I was cleaning out my pantry and my refrigerator, and I had to laugh. There was so much food in there that had went bad. Not just, quote, unquote, my abstinence food, but food I keep in my, in my pantry and my refrigerator for when my family comes over. Because I am free. The obsession has been removed. I used to be, be one of those people that even if I would go to the refrigerator and open and close it, I would, it didn't matter what was in the refrigerator. I had memorized what was in my pantry. I had memorized what was in my refrigerator, and it would torture me. And this weekend, I cleaned out stuff where stuff had gone bad in 2009, 2010. I was able to throw all that stuff out without regret because I am free today. I no longer, it's not about being strong enough not to eat. Today, the miracle is I don't want to eat. And that's because I built this structure that's going to last because I am reunited with my higher power. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Sarah. Can I share? Sure, go ahead. Returning home, we find a place where we can be quiet for an hour, carefully reviewing what we have done. When I did this, when I gave over this um, this step, when I gave over my fourth step, and that whole day of just disclosing my deepest, darkest secrets, my um, just looking and and reevaluating my whole life and my perceptions of my whole life. So when I was done, so I thought, okay, so now I feel so much better. I feel so much more liberated. I feel like freed from, you know, you're only as sick as your secrets. 
I felt free from all of that. So, you know, I was like, oh, it's so late. And and my sponsor told me, okay, now you're going to you're going to sit for an hour and and process everything we've done. And I'm thinking, I need to go home. I need to go home to my kids. I need to go home. I've, you know, all these things that I kind of like left. I need to go back to life and I'll, and I'll do it later. And I literally had to be knocked over the head with like a sledgehammer to realize that I can't just go home and I can't just let all of that go and go on about my merry way and think that I can do this process later. It can't be done later. This needs to be done returning home. We find a place where we can be quiet for an hour. That needs to be done immediately. And if you can't go home, then don't go home and you find that place for an hour there. Because, and that's what I had to do because I thought I went it's so easily my natural ways and my natural tendencies of feeling like I need to control my world and the world that I live in won't manage for an extra hour without me was part of what I needed to let go of. And it was the exact behaviors that I was going to slip right back into unless I took the time to sit and process everything that I've learned, everything that I've learned about my character defects. I really believe that steps five, six, and seven all happen together. They all happen together because when you're there, when you're walking and through that arch, to become a free man, that is when you're you're in the place to let go and to process and to understand what it is you need to let go of. I needed, and and I, I think I sat for actually two hours because there was so much that needed to be undone, that needed to be rewired in my thinking. My default settings, I had to like rewire my entire computer system of my mind and to create new default settings. And unless that's done right away, carefully reviewing what we have done, what am I doing? Why am I doing this? Is it just so that I can let go of all of my resentments and let go of all of my fears and let go of all of my judgments and let go of all of my, you know, of of all of my perceptions and that whole inventory? Is it just so that I can let it go? Or is it so that I can create a new path to trudge the road of happy destiny? And that's what needs to be done. I need to get off one path and I need to start walking a new one. And that, and that taking that time right away, right away, alone. I sat there alone reevaluating my life. And that to me was the most powerful hour of this whole process looking at my life squarely in the, in the face and being willing to, being willing to walk a new path being willing to let go of behaviors and attitudes and perceptions that were not serving me and sending me down a very ugly road and taking a new road and a new path quietly by myself no glory me and god that's it walking trudging a new road to a happy destiny with that i pass Thank you, Sarah. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Larry. Larry, go ahead. Thanks, Christy. I appreciate it. Larry, compulsive reader. Um, you know, another perspective on this is, and it's just my experience, um, 
with steps four and five, you know, when I went, when I first went through that process and I was very thorough and I was very honest in what I shared and I really dug as deep as I could in looking at my transgressions over my lifetime. The problem for me the first time that I did it was there was an area of dishonesty and it had nothing to do with sharing my transgressions, sharing my character flaws, resentments, fears in all the different areas that we look at. My dishonesty was I couldn't put the food down. See, I, I mostly put the food down when I went through my steps four and five. And in fact, I had, I had tremendous physical recovery, so I looked the part. You see, but really what happened was is that level of dishonesty that I began to work these steps, these action steps, mostly putting the food down, but I didn't put the plug in the jug completely. And can you imagine what happened? It didn't work. The steps are not designed. At least that's my experience. Perhaps others have a different experience. I haven't met them yet, but that I think it needs to be said that if one is dabbling in the food, and that's really what I was doing, was just sort of dabbling. Um, and, it was, and, and I had changed so much. So I went from tremend, a tremendous binge eater um, to, you know, with my hand, as Leah says, in the cellophane bag in the bakery box, to not really not doing this, but I was still dabbling. I was still playing around, and I was dishonest about it. You see, and for me, my experience was that steps four and step five, no matter what my intent was, the world judges me based on my actions, not my intent. My intent was good. It really was. I wanted so much to have this thing that other people had, but in, inevitably and invariably, it, it just didn't work for me. So um, I think it's so important as when, you know, as we, for me, I would say, if I was sponsoring someone, I would say that, you know, if the question is, um, you know, can you work these steps when you're still into the food, even if you've made some, some changes? Um, for me, based on my experience, the answer is no. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. <laughs> Thank you, Christy. Thank you. I'd like to share just uh, a little something that I heard out of the rooms of AA about this paragraph. There was a, a um, an old timer with many years of sobriety helping helping someone go through the steps, and his sponsor said, "I can't do what this paragraph says. I just can't do it with such sincerity and such honesty." And his sponsor said, "Well, why is it? What's what's holding you back?" And he says, "I don't have a bookshelf. My book isn't on a shelf." I can't take it down from a shelf. Well, needless to say, his sponsor reassured him that just looking at these directions in the big book was what the whole purpose was. He didn't have a shelf. So what do I do when I do what this paragraph asked me to do? You know, this is a time for me. It was a time of quiet reflection. It was a time of quiet reflection. And I tell you, for the first time, in, I could not remember when my mind was starting to quiet, was starting to quiet. That monkey chatter, that, that swirling of thoughts and emotions and feelings that had always tortured me, 
was beginning to be removed, was beginning to be removed. And I thanked God from the bottom of my heart that that doorway was opened now, that I could know my higher power better, that I could do what these things, carefully reading the first five proposals, the first five steps. I looked at how far I had come right here, right now. I did it. I said to myself, I did it. I did it. I shared with another human being and I got closer to my higher power as a result. Who knew? Who knew? But that's what it was asking me to do. Quietly reflect on where I'd come so far. It was pretty amazing to me. And had I done it with my whole heart, that's what it asked me. Have you done it, Janice, with your whole heart? Have you left no stone unturned? Have you tried to the best of your ability to share everything that was on that four-step inventory? You know, and if, if I could say yes to that, if I could say yes to that, then indeed the foundation was laid. The foundation was laid. And it would be the foundation that I would rely on for every single other step that I was doing because I could see now that each step was going to bring me closer to the God of my understanding. And that's what I so wanted. I didn't know that that's what I needed, but the big book was showing me, was showing me that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Leah. Leah, go ahead, please. Thank you so much. Thank you. Carefully reading the first five proposals, we ask if we have omitted anything, for we are building an arch through which we shall walk a free man at last. Yeah, I mean, the question was, you know, how free did I want to be? How thorough, you know, was I going to be on this thing? Um, You know, as Larry just mentioned, yeah, this ain't no joke. You know, eliminate my binge foods. Uh, you know, put everything down. Let's go, Leah. You know, take away all those crutches. Take the pacifier out of your mouth. You know, uh, lift your fists out of the bags and let's get going. Now, now you have a need. Now you have a need because you can't seek the ease and comfort um, from the cellophane bag from from those substances any longer. So it increased my need for God. I, I got to, you know, I am an uncomfortable person on this planet without those substances. So I better find myself something, someone, someplace, some safe harbor that I can go that will be the ultimate safety, protection, mercy, you know, love that I need. And so how am I going to get there? Well, I'm going to get there through these action steps. So I look back through my steps, you know. Step one, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives have become unmanageable. Do I believe I am a compulsive overeater? Do I believe I am who I say I am? Do I understand that I have an allergy of the body, that there are certain substances when I ingest them trigger a phenomenon of craving? Do I understand that? Do I believe that? Check. Do I also understand and deeply understand that even after I've eliminated those substances, that I am dealing with the greater aspect of my disease? 
Because come a time and a day, whether it's weeks later or months later, my mind, contrary to, to my past experience of pain and suffering, my mind, this obsession of the mind, will convince me that picking up that first bite is the best idea I've had in a long time. Am I a real compulsive overeater? Yes. Check. And then we go on to step two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Do I understand that left to my own resources, I think picking up that first bite is a great idea? That no amount of intellect, self-knowledge, understanding about this disease, determination, motivation, any of the human resources, none of those things are, are enough to conquer the obsession of the mind, because only God who created my mind can heal my sick mind. Do I understand that? Check. Step three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Am I ready to make a decision? Am I ready to make a decision? Am I making a decision to move forward and embark on this spiritual journey? Check. <laughs> Step four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Have I withheld nothing? Have I laid it all out on the table, every nook and cranny of my past, <laughs> every shameful behavior or flaw that I had, any, anything? Have I laid it all on the table? Check. Step five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Did I sit across from the table? Did I lay it all out? Did I, did I give that person everything I had? Did I? Did I leave it there? Did I, did I allow all that to be under the light of day, illuminated, illuminated, and reveal and come out of the darkness? Check. You know, was my work solid? Am I standing on sand or am I standing on firm bedrock? And the answer was bedrock because the beauty of this thing is on the one side, I had my experience of almost two decades of mayhem in this disease, madness of this disease. And on the other hand, I had living proof sitting across from me that there were people who had recovered from a seemingly hopeless condition of mind and body. Which one did I want? How free do you want to be, Leah? And so, yes, you know, is my work solid? Yes, it was. And yes, it is. And today I'm free. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. And thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading, of, uh, reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Marcia please read a vision for you? Yes, certainly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then. <laughs>